was coming to get that. I think it's on the screen. Our scripture this morning. Good morning. Our scripture is from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 through 21. This is actually the benediction to this entire sermon that we have been looking at this entire month. Now may the God of peace who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, make you complete in everything good so that you may do his will, working among us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. How many of you watch or read the news regularly? Show of hands. Alrighty. Uh, how many of you would say that the news is depressing or stress-producing for you? <laughs> like more of you raise your hands on that than say, do you actually read the news? So that's weird. Uh, it's just floating around us, isn't it? It's just like, uh, would you agree that our world is dysfunctional in many ways? Show of hands. Okay. All right. So you can relate then, at least on some level, to what these Jewish believers uh, were experiencing at the time this sermon, Hebrews, was written. Um, of course, our circumstances are very different than theirs were, uh, but you know, some things just haven't changed. The world can be a very discouraging place. Uh, so the believers that were receiving this sermon, um, They've experienced some great loss, some teachers that they have loved, who have taught them the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ have passed away. There are people within their communities that, that perhaps they know, perhaps they were related to, that are imprisoned because of their faith in Jesus Christ. They are being tortured because of their faith in Jesus Christ. So in many ways, their faith has cost them dearly. And as Bruce reminded us at the beginning of our series, some of them face the danger of just giving up, of just giving up and drifting away from the message of Christ, falling for some strange teachings that were just incompatible with what they had learned about Jesus. And so, so this sermon is a rally cry, so to speak. It's a call to persevere, to press on, to keep running the race in the midst of a difficult and dysfunctional world. He urges them to persevere because he knows God is still working in them to make them complete in everything good. God is still working in the world for good. And so this sermon is meant to awaken and encourage these worn out, broken down believers to persevere in the truth that they already know, but it's just grown dim for them. Now, if we take a 30,000 foot view of this entire sermon, the entire letter to the Hebrews, we see that the author starts with why these believers should persevere. And then he tells them how to persevere. And then finally in chapter 13, he wraps it up with what a life that chooses to persevere in the faith actually looks like. So first, the why. 
He begins by laying the foundation of why they should persevere in faith when the world makes it so incredibly difficult to do so. I mean, why go to the trouble? Why, for them, risk your safety, your comfort? Why risk being rejected and ridiculed? So if you look over the first 10 chapters of Hebrews, and you know, you don't even have to like read every word to see this. You just look at the headings of each section as it's laid out for us in our Bibles. You will see that those first 10 chapters, it's just theology, It's a lot of theology. It's got some great encouragement in it as well, but mostly the author is laying out some solid theology for them about who Jesus is and what he has accomplished for the world. I mean, he wastes no time on this. He starts out the sermon, Hebrews 1, 1 through 4, with this. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us. And do we have the slide, Daniel? Do we have the slide of this? Can you give me a thumbs up if we do? Yeah? Can you put it up? Is it up? Oh, it's there. It's not here. I understand. I will get with the program now. I'm so sorry. Okay. He has spoken to us by a son whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the worlds. He is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. And he sustains all things by his powerful word. When he made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. I mean, what a resume. I did it like that for you so you could just see. This is who Jesus is. All of these things. And he's not even done. Y'all, through the rest of the sermon, he says Jesus is our great high priest. He is the Lamb of God. He is our salvation. In other words, he is why we persevere. The God who created the world and who holds all things together with just his word died for us. We persevere because Jesus persevered. We can be vulnerable because Jesus was vulnerable. We can believe in the redemption of our lives and the redemption of the world because Jesus has completed every bit of the Father's will. And he has sat down at the right hand of God the Father. It is finished It is accomplished. It just hasn't happened completely for us yet because unlike God, who lives outside of time, exists outside of time, we live along a timeline. It is already accomplished and we are still moving toward it. God sees that it is finished. Jesus has already done everything necessary. And everyone clinging to faith in Christ can see that. That's what the author said about those in the faith who have gone before us. He said that from a distance they saw and greeted the promises of God. They didn't see that kingdom physically. But they pressed on toward it in faith, living their day-to-day lives as an expression 
of that faith. So the author's first argument is why we should persevere. Why we can persevere in a world that is in so much turmoil. Jesus, as Son of God, Savior, sustainer of the world, is the one they need to place their hope in. He's why. Now he moves on to how they're to persevere. And he says they do that by holding tight to what they know about Jesus. He's already laid out all that theology, right? He's already listed the resume. You know who he is. This is who he is, right? Hold tight to that. In chapter 6, he urges his readers to seize the hope. Don't just know it. Don't just passively agree with it. That sounds like a great idea. Take it. Take hold of it and do not let it go. Listen to Hebrews 6, 17. When God desired to show even more clearly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it by an oath so that through two unchangeable things, side note, his promise and his oath, Okay, in which it is possible that God would prove false, he would have taken, he, we who have taken refuge might be strongly encouraged to seize the hope that is set before us. Look, our hope is not in some fairy tale dream that we hope will possibly come true one day. Your hope has a name. Your hope is a person, Jesus. He has accomplished what God promised and swore by an oath to do. Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, let us approach with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. Hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who has promised is faithful. You see, when I hold on tight to who Jesus is and what he has done for the world, and I filter everything else through that, the pain, the turmoil, the chaos, the struggle, the hurt, the loss, then see, I get the right perspective from which to view all of that. And I can then persevere through it. Perspective is everything. So one of my favorite illustrations about proper perspective is the art of Bernard Pross, a French artist who uses junk to create beautiful works of art. In order to truly appreciate his work, though, you literally need to have the right perspective. You need to stand in the right place. So if you view the display from the side, all you see is a pile of junk. Nothing looks like it makes any sense. But when you walk over and you look through the lens, the little frame he has set up, then you are positioned to have the right perspective to see that it's not a pile of junk. It's actually a work of art. Do you have that video, Daniel?
wait for it. Is it coming together for you yet? Only when you look with the right perspective do you see what the artist intended for you to see, right? We need to look at the world and our lives through the correct lens that gives us the right perspective. Jesus is that lens. If we look at the world or ourselves for that matter, through any other lens than the love of God that is revealed in Jesus Christ, if we fail to see that in Jesus, God has accomplished once and for all his redemptive purposes for the world, if we fail to see that God is making all things new, even today, when it seems like everything is falling apart, we will lose hope and we will be discouraged and we will be tempted to hang on to a theology or a belief system that is inadequate for the world that we live in and we will be left empty and incomplete. Because how do you make sense of something like suffering without Jesus? You know, without Jesus, the suffering of the world just looks hopeless. But when we look at problems like, like suffering and pain from a t divine perspective, we see that Jesus has transformed everything. And that even the intense suffering that he went through did not serve to defeat him or diminish him his identity or his authority in any way. I mean, that's what the enemy intended. The enemy intended that suffering to defeat him, but his suffering served to make him known more fully as God Almighty who conquers death and brings life from death. So when I see the suffering of the world through the lens of Jesus, my hope and believe that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is available to me, then I see that death is transformed to life. Anxiety is transformed to peace. Chaos is transformed to order. Pain is transformed to comfort. Illness is transformed to healing. Jesus changes everything, everything. So Bruce and I were talking about all this, about needing a right perspective when we look at the world. And he said this, Bruce has made a quote slide, depending on how you look at the world, you either see a world coming apart or you see a world coming together, a world being reconciled to Christ. It's all in your perspective. We need to see the world through the lens of Jesus, our hope. And when we look at the world that way, see then, then I realize that I too am one through whom God works. See, when I understand who Jesus is, I understand who I am created to be, a partner with God in bringing healing to this worn-out, broken-down, chaotic world. Jesus redeemed my life, and my strength 
is in him. And any suffering I face can now become a source of healing and further redemption in this world. So why do I persevere? Jesus. How do I persevere? By seizing, laying claim to, taking hold of, holding fast, never letting go of my hope, who is? Jesus. And when we finally get to chapter 13, we see that for the first time in the sermon, the author just gets really concrete, street level, everyday, what it looks like to have your hope in Jesus, to, to know who he is and to cling to that hope, what it looks like in the everyday. Here's the list of admonitions he gives them. Let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Remember those who are in prison. Remember those who are being tortured as though it were happening to you. Let marriage be held in honor by all. Let the marriage bed be kept undefiled. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. Remember your leaders. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. Be strengthened by grace instead of by regulations. Through Jesus, continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. Obey your leaders. They're keeping watch over your souls. That is Hebrews chapter 13. Now, I purposefully presented it to you that way without the expansion that's even in the actual chapter because I wanted to give you a visual of the type of instruction this is. Are you ready to learn a new word? Say yes. Yes. Everybody say paranesis. Say it again, paranesis. Paranesis. These are paranetic instructions, which simply means these are not new or unfamiliar instructions for them. He doesn't need to get into serious, detailed explanations about them because he's not teaching them this for the first time. They already know all of this. They already know all of this. They have already been taught this. They've actually been living this way for a long time. They've been growing in this. But now, remember, they're just losing their passion. Their energy is fading. They're feeling weak and worn down because of the difficulties that they're facing. So they didn't need to be taught, right? They just needed to be reminded of why they should continue living lives of love that please the Father. We need to be reminded of that too, don't we? How many of you, don't raise your hands, but just think, how many of you, you've been in church your whole life. You know it all. We just need to be reminded sometimes of why it is the good thing. It is the worthy thing. It is the life that pleases God. And why I should persist in it. It's so tempting, you know, to just let our faith become uh, nothing more than happy little meme snippets or, or catchy little feel-good quotable statements that we can post on social media. 
You know, it's so easy to fall into a lazy form of Christianity that doesn't require anything of us. A life committed to, re to Christ requires everything of us. It requires that we lay down our lives. It's total commitment for love of God and love of neighbor. And that can get exhausting, sure, but we're not doing it on our own. We're not doing it in our own strength. We've got the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the cloud of witnesses. And when we remember who Jesus is and what he has accomplished and the promised redemption of the world that awaits us and that he is worthy of that kind of worship from me, that my whole life would be an offering, everything I say and everything I do, then we're able to press on. That's how we persevere. So I was listening to my Spotify the other day. Spotify, anyone? Anyone? Love it? Okay. So came across a song by a guy named Andrew Peterson. Anybody? Andrew Peterson? Alex, I knew it. I just knew. I knew it. It's called Is He Worthy? Now, you may know this song now because Chris Tomlin has recently recorded and released this, and I think it's on the radio right now. We're going to use this song this morning together. We're not going to sing it, but we're going to use it as a call and response. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me, please, and you will see on the screens what you need to know. And I'm going to say some things that won't be on a screen at some point, but don't worry about it. We'll get back to it, okay? You ready? It's good. Y'all fill your lungs up real good. Okay, you ready? Because I want to hear you when you respond. Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish that you could see it all made new? Is all creation groaning? It is. is a new creation coming? It is. is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? It is. is it good that we remind ourselves of this? It is. Does the Father truly love us? It does. does the Spirit move among us? Does. And does Jesus, our Messiah, hold forever those he loves? Does our God intend to dwell again with us? Yes. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah who conquered the grave, he's David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave. From every people and tribe, every nation and tongue, he has made us a kingdom and priest to God to reign with the Son. Is he worthy? He is. is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? He is. Amen. 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 Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you are worthy of every bit of our lives. Lord, you are worthy that we would give everything of ourselves to you. You are worthy, Lord, that we would persevere and press on 
and keep running this race even when it's difficult. Because, Lord, we know that it is done. It is finished. It is accomplished. And there is a kingdom awaiting us. So may we fix our eyes on that. Hold fast to the hope that we have in you, Jesus. And may we not be discouraged. May you hold us up until we can stand on on our own in the promise that you are rebuilding us and you are making all things new. We ask all these things in your holy and precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.